I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When they say that everything changes after you have kids, they're right. But it doesn't mean that things have to get worse. Your relationship after children is different and there are some things to do and think to not only safeguard your relationship, but to even make it better. Today is a masterclass in rebuilding intimacy with your partner after having kids. I've got a ton of valuable information and of course, amazing tips. So stay tuned. Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Welcome back. Hello. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're back. You know, I love it when you're here. I love it when we're together. This is uh, some of my favorite times. Um, before I jump in, I just want to say again, depending on when you were listening or if you listen to podcasts in order, or episodes in order, podcasts in order, episodes in order, um, I was going to be doing a membership uh, launch starting in February, which I was very excited about, but I had COVID for a third time. I have some long-term COVID. Do, don't send me, I'm fine. Don't, you don't need to send well wishes or anything. I'm good. I'm cool. Um, but I really needed to take care of myself and get rid of things that I didn't have to do right away and just sort of rework and make sure that I'm well rested and taking care. I am old, you know, I'm old. So, uh, I can't just, you know, 
sort of move on without really taking some time for myself. So I am modeling very healthy behavior uh, by putting off some new things. I put off my book launch. I put off the membership launch. I had all these great ideas, but everything needs to wait while I, it's just postponed. I'll be back with it. We'll talk. Uh, it's something I'm excited about. So I'm sure we'll find a way soon, but I didn't, in case you listened to me announcing it previously, uh, you might be thinking, what's going on, Abby? Where is it? And uh, that's what I'm letting you know. So, so now we can get to the goods. And I want to say this first before we really jump in. I know I have many people listening who are in same-sex relationships. So I, I, don't, I don't know if I need to apologize or just, I don't know what I need to say, but I need to say something up front that I'm only discussing today from a heterosexual viewpoint. It's, always, it's just challenging for me when I'm writing to find a way to be more inclusive. So I just got to ask you to bear with me as I try to figure out that out. You know, much of what I'm going to discuss today has a lot to do with male and female roles and how they relate to one another. So if, you know, if you don't identify as heterosexual, as male or female, I could only say that I do know I'm doing that. Um, and that, uh, you know, listen for what fits and throw away the rest. And, uh, I know that there are podcasts that, you know, specialize in different kinds of relationships and different ways that we do things. I just, when I'm doing things and putting them together, like you'll see from today, it would have had to be completely different. And I think would have been a three hour broadcast <laughs> if I was trying to be inclusive of every single kind of couple. And uh, it's hard, you know, I, I, I have a lot of um, gay and lesbian people in my practice. I have over the years, I'm, you know, extremely, um, have a lot of affinity with that world. And, uh, I'm aware, and I, I do talk to my friends who are, uh, gay and lesbian about it. You know, I've really been trying to discuss this and get, um, good perspective on how I can be inclusive while still, you know, sort of saying what I need to say or want to say. And so this is how I'm doing it right now. So I'm just putting it out there that I'm aware and here we go. Okay. So, so why this topic, right? This, and why is it a masterclass? Because I get a lot of questions about this topic. And um, so what I, I have a, there's a free, I have a communication toolkit for couples. If you haven't gotten it yet, by the way, what, I don't know what you're waiting for. I'll link to it in the show notes and on the uh, corresponding blog on the relationship tips and tools page, or you can get it on my website pretty much anywhere. But um so I have this free communication toolkit for couples that, and in it, it's basically these five emails of tips, right? And, but at the last email, so that really it's four emails of tips. In the last email, I ask people to respond with their biggest relationship struggle because I really want to learn, always learn more about what people are, what's troubling you now. What do you need to work on now? And obviously these are great topics to have on the podcast. These, I, I, you know, I, I want to know. I, I want always the podcast to be relevant. I want my weekly love letter to be relevant, the books I write, you know, all the things. So if it's not a problem, why am I talking about it, right? So one of the things that gets asked about a lot has to do with the changes couples go through after they have kids. Some of the, you know, the changes that you go through just being a couple, I've done that on, you know, I have a bunch of episodes on how to restart your relationship and getting the spark back and all that good stuff. But this one is really uh, more specific. So, and I want to read you 
they're short two emails that really summed it up and really explain why i'm going to set today up the way i'm setting it up so here's one from someone we'll call jack for anonymity purposes and he says you know he says hi abby blah blah then he says my biggest relationship struggle is a lack of intimacy with my wife we just had our second child i guess they have an older one who's like three or four it seems since having kids, intimacy went out the window. I love touching and will always touch her when I walk by and attempt to cuddle her in bed, um, or at least you know put my hand on her if my cuddles get denied. Even in the process of having our second child, which took a while, you know, sex felt transactional. I hear that one a lot. I want my wife to want to touch me. I want her to be intimate with me, especially for not having sex. I also want her to want to have more sex with me. So he's looking for all that, right? Okay. Now here's one from. A woman, we'll call her Jill, and she says, and so you'll see the differences here. Oh, Abby, I'm struggling with not wanting to have sex with my partner. We have three kids, six, three, and 18 months, and I'm so tired from dealing with them, and I also work part-time from home to help pay the bills, that I've got nothing left, uh, left over for him. I feel like whenever he touches me, it's just to have sex. He's a great dad, but not a great partner when it comes to chores around the house, and with our kids. He keeps saying things like, well, tell me what to do, but I'm sick of telling him. Can't he see what needs to be done? I feel like I've got a fourth kid half the time and that doesn't make me want to have sex with him. I know we need to have sex, but I just can't find the motivation. Please help. And then she goes on with some other stuff. So I mean, right, these are so good. If you're listening and you're a man, you're, you're I think probably relating to this man's email. Uh, or DM, whatever it was. No, these were emails. And if you're a woman listening, you're probably you're probably really relating to her. Um, so yeah, I know. So I'm really gonna break things down today. I'll I'll teach you know in a different way than I normally do. For uh, about you know my podcast is made up of about 75% women listeners and 25% men. And so I do most of my podcasts are my episodes are more a little more towards women probably in the big picture and I'm a woman, but I do like to include you men all the time and so today you're going to get some extra special attention. Um okay, so so the, these are two very different points of view. And I, again, you can kind of start to see the issues already, right? And so here's what I see a lot, okay? This is how I see that happening. So you're a woman and you've made dinner and now you're in the kitchen, you're doing the dishes and your partner, he's dutifully like cleared the table and he's standing in the kitchen chatting with you. And while it's very nice that he's bonding with you, you're biting your tongue because you don't understand why he's not, you know, sweeping the floor, wiping off the counter, drying the dishes while you chat, okay? <laughs> so now I'll get that man, same man in my practice, right? And he'll say to me, <laughs> he's just dutifully cleared the table without being asked because he knows it's his job at the end of dinner. And he's now in the kitchen chatting with his wife and having this great conversation. And he's thinking, oh my gosh, we're bonding. I'm being awesome. I'm keeping her company. And we're having these talks that she says she wants and loves. But now he notices that she's getting kind of short with him and that the energy has become chilly. And he's thinking, what did I do wrong now? I think I'm doing everything right. This, again, you, if, you're, if you're laughing or if you're like, Abby, are you in my house? Are you in my house, girl? Do you, do you see? <laughs> it's because 
I work with so many people. Uh, and this is what happens. This is, I think, the common scenario because the viewpoints and approaches to relationships really vary hugely when it comes to identifying as male or female. And this has to do with, it's really two main factors. And again, why I'm sort of doing this heterosexual, uh, you know, thing today. Anyway, okay. So let's talk about, so work is the first big factor, right? Careers and marital happiness, that's a thing. And uh, so work. And I'm going to share some statistics, some statistics from a few major countries. I can't do everybody who's listening. I'm sorry. I, I think you'll get the picture anyway, but I'm gonna gonna hit kind of the where I have the most listeners. Okay. Um, so if you want your country to be included in the future, you know, get in there and get people to listen. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> I'm including everyone I can. Here we go. So currently in the US. Both parents work full-time in just over 60% of US, of households in the U.S. with women married and with women who are married to men. So not women married to women. Women married to men spend more time on housework than single moms. want you to really think of that. So women with kids who are married to men spend more time on housework than single moms. And again, this isn't true. I'm not going to, again, get all into statistics for female-female and male-male relationships, but uh, interesting, isn't it? And in fact, married women end up with seven more hours of housework per week, while married men end up with one less hour of housework per week. Okay? I know. So, and we, you know, we live shorter. Men live longer when they're married. I mean, there's so many stats around this. It's crazy. And I'm going to link, as I always do, all the research. If you want to look at it yourself, if you think I'm making crap up, I'm not. Uh, go <laughs> go look it up. Uh, it's all going to be on the relationship tips and tools in the blog post, and some will be on the show notes page too. But most of the real research and all the details are always in the blog, the corresponding blog post, okay? All right. So, and caring for children and spending time with children is also disproportionately higher for women. Okay. And yeah. Now in Australia, women make up about 40, just over 47% of the workforce. Okay. With over 60% of those women spending at least five hours on unpaid indoor housework. According to statistics released in 2020, women, and these are all relatively recent statistics. I think the oldest of these is 2019, so pretty, pretty recent. Uh, so according to statistics released in 2020, women in Canada still do the majority of the laundry and meal prep, okay? And they also looked at men, and men do the majority of the outdoor work and repairs. And I want to say something about that before I jump into stats in the UK, because some of that research has shown up in, in the United States too and other countries that men do more in the outside, you know, mowing the lawns or whatever. Again, these kind of gender normative roles. But I will also tell you that uh, it takes a lot more hours per week to deal and a lot more emotional headspace, most importantly, to deal with family, kids, negotiating all the things that that entails than the hours and bandwidth it takes, and this has again been studied, to take care of the lawn. So I, I don't like when people compare these two things or like, well, I'm at work and doing the outside and she's at work, but doing the inside. Uh-uh. 
those do not line up. So if you're a man listening right now, women are laughing because they know, but no, 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 that's not true. It's not how it works. And I'll explain more later. Okay. And then research in the UK, and I got some from 2021, shows that 75% of women with kids work and 92% of men. Okay. So this is a lot. Since 2020, it's most common for both parents to work for all time in the UK. Very interesting. Employed women with kids do spend, again, more time on unpaid childcare and household work than men. Okay. So this is true. Every country really that I looked into and I, and I looked at a global report, um, showing how the pandemic was especially hard on women. Globally, women took on 173 additional hours of unpaid childcare in 2020, compared to 59 additional hours for men. I know. So the pandemic really beat up women working from home. That has been one of the worst things I can say. And so when I'm working with women, I often, even if I'm just like, go to the office, like if you can get out of the house, because it's just too hard otherwise not to keep doing more and more at home and just be adding and adding to your plate. So why, why is it still like this? <laughs> and that's factor number two. Okay. So the two main reasons I said, one is this kind of work, how work has changed. Women are in the workforce. We're now, you know, it's so huge just in my lifetime. I remember my mom worked, my mom was a teacher. Um, and my dad was a chef, a cook and, uh, my mom, you know, worked full time and, she, that was weird, you know, in my neighborhood growing up, that wasn't necessarily what was happening. Uh, a lot of moms, some of them work part-time, but they didn't necessarily have professional jobs. If they did in those days, again, cause I'm old, they were a nurse or a teacher like my mom or something like that. Um, but a lot of times, again, they would work part-time and other things. Um, it was really interesting. And yet, but, but that has, so just in my lifetime, that has changed dramatically. Um, and this is all, I mean, there's a whole other episode, I guess I could do on how, you know, women as they get older, aren't wanting to be married or be with men They're And, you know, some of the toxic men are seeing this as, uh, I don't know what we think we're too, it's such bullshit. We think we're too good or we've gotten too picky. And it's like, no, we just, we now have financial security ourselves. We don't need you. And if we don't need you to live, you know, to pay our bills, then, and that's not gold digging crap at all. That is just truth. I mean, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, women could not have a credit card without a man's approval. They couldn't get divorced without a man's approval, uh, without their husband's approval. Um, it's scary shit. Women just, you know, again, getting into the workforce and doing all this has really shifted dramatically in the last, you know, even 30 years. And so we have more options now than we did before. We are not chattel. We are not possessions anymore. So guess what? We we can make our own money. So I don't have to stay with you when I'm doing seven hours more of work a week when my lifespan gets shorter. Um, I don't have to do it. So a lot of women aren't because they're waiting for men to sort of step up and be different. And what I'm going to talk about today is is a balance between those things. So, But I'll get to it. So, so give me a minute. So the second factor is, um, and I, there was a, a, one of the many studies I read for this, there was a sociologist at, it was the University of Maryland, Texas, and University of Southern California. And they really did this, some great research showing that gender norms remained the big issue, these gender norms. 
And I'm going to quote from one of the researchers. And she said that marriage remains a gendered institution that ratchets up the demand for housework and childcare through essentialist beliefs that women are naturally focused on home and hearth. So married women are prioritizing. What happens is they prioritize housework over leisure time and sleep as they try to conform, as we try to conform to these societal expectations around gender. And the research is showing, I'm telling you guys, I know you think you're stepping up, but you are not contributing in ways that are bringing about equality in the home. You're just not. I get that it's better than it used to be, but it ain't there. Okay. <laughs> We're not even close to where we need to be. So I, I think that's been hard for everybody, for women too, because again, we got raised with all these sort of ideas about women and what, you know, how they should or shouldn't be. And it's really hard. I catch myself with my own daughter all the time. Uh, and thank God she'll say stuff. She's like, mom, that's, that's sexist. <laughs> That's misogynistic. And I'm like, what? Um, you know, as I'm saying something, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's coming out of my mouth because it's so institutionalized. It's it's just it's just there. It's it's it you don't, you know, we're fish who don't know we're wet, all of us in some ways. So, but way do you hear this? If you want your mind blown, I'm about to bring it to you. Here's something so crazy. When I saw the research, I couldn't believe it. Here, get this. When women earn more than their husbands, they do more work at home, not less. <gasps> I was freaked out. Okay. In the research, this is known as gender deviance neutralization. And let me explain that. It basically means that when the woman is the primary breadwinner, so, you know, a lot of couples are like, oh, I'm very comfortable. My, you know, some men are like, my wife makes all the money. It's great. I want to be a trophy husband, you know, kind of joking, like it's all good, but that's not actually what happens. It's, that's what happens out loud. It seems good, but the, the couple, they respond to this sort of non-traditional setup of the woman being the primary breadwinner by becoming even more traditional about who does what in terms of housework and child rearing. Women, we get sucked into this just, and men expect it, but this isn't what, so it's not what either person thinks will happen. It's assumed by, you know, right? We assume that the man will step forward and take over more of the, you know, domestic duties, right? Because they're not um, earning as much as we are, but that's not what happens. That is not what happens, isn't that? crazy. Women get sucked into this. Men get sucked into this because of the, so again, these two factors are really brought to bear right now and it's affecting us in very major ways. So I want to get to the tips. I know I, hopefully I've made a case here some, and I'll continue to make the case as I give you the tips, but here's how I'm going to do it today. A little different, a little different. Listen up. I'm going to divide the tips into three categories today. I'm going to have tips for men, then tips for women, and then tips for what to do as a couple. And I really want to encourage that whether you're, if you're a male listening, listen to the tips for women too. If you're a female listening, I, you're already going to see that's the difference. The women were already listening to the men's tips. Oh yeah, they're all over them. And, but I don't want you to run home and tell your man to listen to this. <laughs> he has to do these things. Okay. So we'll talk about that too. Um, because right, we, we, we like to read this book, listen to this episode. Abby's amazing. You got to listen to this. It's I know. And it is helpful. Um, I had a wonderful, I have one of my, 
I have amazing clients. Thank you, clients, if you're listening. I love you. Uh, one of my clients, she's so great. She said she was listening to an episode I had done on emotional intelligence, and um, she was like, "Oh, my husband needs to hear this," you know. So she waited, and then when they were in a they were in a car ride for a bit of time, she's like, "Oh, let's listen to this podcast," <laughs> and she put me in, and they could listen to it together while they were driving, which I actually think is great. And then you can talk about it and ask each other questions and all the good things. But I'm just saying, there's ways to introduce things that aren't like, "Here, go do this on your own time. Go listen to this thing." If you can find a way to do it together like that, it's kind of brilliant. Um, just throwing that out there. Okay. So, and I want to be forewarned, there's a lot of tips for men. Okay. Because the research shows that this is where the most work needs to happen. I say with love, I love you men. I love men. I'm not a man hater at all. I, I, I dig men. Um, I'm trying to raise a good man <laughs> um, and a wonderful woman, daughter. Uh, and I love my Gary. You know, I've loved the men in my life and I adore Gary. And, um, and, this is where most of the work needs to happen. So uh, listen up, okay? This doesn't put women off the hook. It just says this is where a lot has to happen, which is why more tips. So here we go, men, listen up and women, because you're already listening. So tip number one <clears throat> is to really understand emotional labor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me get a sip. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get a sip of water. I know I'm talking so much, right? I don't edit out my coughs. Why should I? Come on now. You can listen to a cough for a second. Okay. So when we talk about men taking on more emotional labor in the home, I'm not just talking about doing the dishes more often. That's not it. It really means what emotional labor means. It's tending to supporting, even enhancing the emotional lives of everyone in the household. I know. So I did an episode called How Emotional Labor is Killing Your Relationship. I would ask any man listening to go back and listen to that. You can you can search on the website for that title or it again there'll be links in the show notes and in the blog page blog post page. So I would really encourage you to spend some time and listen to that, okay? To really explain what emotional labor is and to understand how it's the big underminer of your relationship. Um, but it is all the things. It is understanding how women take on so much. Yeah, you're, you, you know, I hear men say, well, I got up in the night. You know, my kid had a fever. I got up in the night. That's great. Was there Tylenol? Did you buy it? Did you know where the Tylenol was or did you have to wake your wife to, to ask where it was? Did you know what the thermometer was? Were there thermometer caps right there that you could put on? Did you even know you're supposed to put thermometer caps on instead of just shoving it in their ear? Did you know, I mean, do you know their doctors? Do you know the names of their doctors? Do you have the contact information? Did you call school the next day when they were home and uh, tell them, and did you have the number at the ready or did you have to ask your wife for it? Do you see what I'm talking about here? <laughs> That's emotional labor. All the pieces. When we just tell you what to do, uh, you're an employee. I don't know what to say. Like, it, it's not, which brings us to tip number two. Pay attention and take ownership. So, because I do hear this a lot. Just tell me what to do. It is not something we want to hear. The best thing you can do if you want more intimacy with your partner is to pay fucking attention. Oh, I swore. That's right because I'm serious about this. <laughs> is the milk low? 
did you see? And did you, do you know what kind or, or brand of milk you use in your home? Her telling you to go to the store isn't making her feel sexy. It's making her feel like your mother and no mother wants to have sex with her son, okay? Every time your wife, woman, partner, female partner needs to tell you what to do, it is like you're a kid and we don't wanna have sex with you. I don't know how else to say that. We, it's just really turns us off. So you have a much higher mountain to climb back to where we are. And because our bodies have already changed, I'm gonna get into that. I mean, there's already other stuff going on. You, you just made your hill, so your, you made your hill into a mountain by doing this stuff. Pay attention, what time do the kids go to bed? When do they have sports practices? Where do they have, where do they have them? When do they have bath time? This stuff happens every day. You shouldn't have to be told what to do to interact with your friggin' children. So again, she ends up feeling like your mommy and then doesn't want you to touch her. It's hard to blame her, okay? <laughs> Think, look at your house. Don't just have it in your head like, oh, it's getting taken care of somewhere else, so I don't have to think about it. Think about it. It doesn't take that long to make sure to say to your partner, hey, I need to have all the doctor's numbers in the future in case I need those, and our kids' medical record numbers, or whatever, you know, whatever. Or to have a copy of their insurance cards. She shouldn't just have a copy. You should have a copy. So that you know what to do. What do we do? If And you know how you do it? By practicing. If your kid gets sick one night, you call the advice nurse instead of her. Say, let me do it. Let me let, let me try this. I got to practice. Let me practice calling the advice nurse. Uh, and we'll get into tips for women about letting go of control around this stuff. But I'm just saying, like, you know, this is something that has to happen. All right. Tip number three is you got to respect her body. <sighs> Depending on how old your kids are, moms are being touched all the time. Did I say all the time? All the time. All the time. <laughs> I still remember my kid. Now I now I I want my kids to touch me, but because they're teenagers. But when they were little, oh hey, something was hanging off my arm, my boob, my butt, my jeans, like all the fucking time. I'm gonna say fuck a lot today. I might, I might get ready. I'm saucy today, feeling spicy. <sighs> kids follow us into the bathroom. They're they're <laughs> <laughs> they're hanging on us constantly and then you want to touch us and it feels like everyone wants to take from us it feels like everyone wants a physical piece okay so i would say this and try this try this tell your partner that you won't be instigating sex not because you always get shot down and you're sick of it don't do that that's from fear that's shitty don't do it don't do it that sucks fear-based crap. It's not going to make her want to have sex with you anymore to feel like threatened like that. That's such bullshit. But just say to her, you know what? I'm really trying to learn all this stuff. <laughs> I listened to Effie's episode. I am trying to learn this stuff and I'm not going to initiate sex. I, I, because I love you and I respect you. And I want us to still talk about it at some point, not every day, anything, but, you know, just about our lives in general, our physical lives. I'd love to hear more from you about what you do and don't want, like what's unwanted touch, what's wanted touch. You know, I'd like to learn more for sure. I want us to talk about it. And I, so I don't want it to be just a closed topic and that, you know, that way you don't have to be stressed either. Like, oh, I haven't talked about it yet. He's gonna be waiting. I, we, we, let's just take out all the stress around it. Let's just both be patient and kind. 
And I need you to understand as men that her relationship to her body has changed. If she's had kids, her relationship to her body has changed. And get this, the whole meaning of her body has changed. I will tell you that was probably the biggest thing that blew me away was my body changing in these bizarre ways and what it meant. Like my, I've always had big boobs. <laughs> I've always been a big boob girl. God gave them to me. Us Jewish girls, a lot of us have big boobs. I'm touching my boobs on camera. I, I don't care. If you're watching on YouTube, you're watching me touch my boobs. Uh, it would seem like a natural thing. Everyone's like, oh, let me become a YouTube subscriber. Anyway, so uh, I'm not touching them that way. Calm down. So I've always had big boobs and they've always been a source of attention. Men, women too. People love boobs. I like boobs. I look at boobs. Boobs are fabulous. Love them. Love breasts. Um, not so much on men, not going to lie. You know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> but I like a nice chest on a man. Sure, sure, sure. We're looking. Um, I digress. Sorry. So the, when I went from my breasts just being a sexual thing and or a thing I had to deal with every day as I got dressed and like shirts don't fit me, you know, if they fit in the shoulder, if they fit in the waist because I have a smaller waist, they don't fit in the bust. That's the, the story of my life. If I'm buttoning a shirt. So when I buy shirts, I have to buy them to fit my bust. And then I have them tailored. By the way, a little tip for women with big boobs. That's what you do. You buy the bigger, but then you have it tailored to fit you everywhere else. And they look beautiful. But anyway, so I mean that, you know, so they were kind of a pain in the ass. They were a sexual object. They, my, my boobs were a lot of things, but all of a sudden they were food. It was bizarre. Like, Talk about feeling part of the animal kingdom. I cannot even tell you. And so, and I was a little crazy with the whole breastfeeding thing. My, my Both my kids had nothing but breast milk for the first year of their lives. Uh-huh. I read that. I studied that because I'm me. You know me. I'm a nut. It wasn't, I don't think, looking back, I was feeling a lot of guilt about working and being away. And I, I think it was... Um, this thing I felt like I could do and I felt so guilty about being gone that I killed myself and I, I don't think that was the smartest thing. And, you know, I did it, so it's gone. But anyway, but I was always, if I wasn't pumping, I was breastfeeding. Like uh, my boobs were always out. <laughs> they, were, they were always attached to something, you know? And so it really became so different even, so when you have sex, it's weird. If you're breastfeeding, you know, if someone's playing with your boobs or your nipples, they start to, they might leak milk. It's weird. It's 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 just weird. It, it, something else, you know, when you're sucking on us, you know, your partner is sucking on your boobs. It's like, is that right? You know, it starts to feel strange. Like there's just this whole other relationship with your body. There's also this deep respect. Like I grew a thing. I grew a thing. <laughs> I grew a little person in there, right? My uh my hips got wide, a little wider, like I needed that shit. But anyway, um, you know, my, my ass changed, like my, 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 just the way I was shaped changed a little bit. And, you know, I was like lucky. I, I, you know, kind of have a relatively flat stomach still and smaller waist. Like I was able to kind of, my genetics played a part, right. And sort of quote unquote bouncing back after that. Although I carried weight for a long time. I had a hard time losing that weight. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just so much, even that, like my body had changed. I didn't feel as sexy. I didn't feel like all the fucking things. Like there's so many levels of it. And men, you don't understand. 
You just, you can't, and I get it. You kind of can't, you haven't had this experience. Just think of how blown away you were the first time you held your little person. I mean, it's crazy, right? It's so, you can't imagine that you would love anything this much. Multiply that by a hundred thousand for how we feel having carried that little person. We've been talking to them all this time. You know, we're the ones breastfeeding. We're the ones up at night often. If you're not breastfeeding, by the way, as a mom listening, good, it's fine. Don't, there's no shame at all. I have zero, zero issues. Like if you do breastfeed, if you don't, it's all good. Having said that, <clears throat> it's just all different. Okay. Our, our bodies are the ones that have to bounce back. Um, we have to repair and heal. If you, if you were somebody who had a cesarean or any kind of traumatic birth episode, again, you're the one experiencing that very differently. Even if your partner was in the room watching, it's all different. So you got to be patient. <clears throat> Men out there, you have to be patient and supportive as she sorts this out. And it's really nice to, again, ask questions, you know, um, let her know you want to touch her and love on her, but you will not make a move for sex so she can relax. Let her know, if I start to massage your shoulders, I'm just massaging your shoulders. I'm not gonna try to fill you up. I am not gonna let my hands drift. I am not gonna be thinking, oh, she owes me. Like, I'm just gonna massage your shoulders and we're gonna actually practice what that is, to have uh, intimate touching that's not sexual because that's just a good thing to learn in your relationships, in your relationship, right? It's wonderful. And if let her know if she wants to have sex is completely in her hands. Don't joke about it. Oh, it's been a while. Don't say anything to undermine this beautiful, beautiful process. Let her know again that you'd like to have conversations about sex, the kind of touching she wants, but there's no pressure. Okay, there's no no more pressure. I'll talk about this more in the couples tips later, but but get that. Okay. Tip number four for men is to watch out for weaponized incompetence with kids and weaponized incompetence was all over the internet, you know, was quite the buzz hashtag for a while. I did not really comment on it much because it felt very trendy and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I will tell you that uh, more recently, I've been talking about it a little more. Weaponized incompetence is basically, it's a pattern of behaviors where men pretend to be bad at simple tasks to get out of shared responsibilities, okay? And I really believe though, I don't know if I want to use that word pretend, I guess they do, but they, I believe that most of the time this behavior is very unconscious for two main reasons. The first one is you're tired yourself and you don't want to do something, okay? You're tired, you don't want to do it. And you feel like your plate is full and you just don't want to have to take on more. So somehow it's like you talk yourself into a denial of sorts about the fact that you're putting more on your partner to save yourself. You decide that what she wants isn't important. You decide that uh, she's overreacting, that she's this, she's that. Um, you decide, oh, I'm, and you just make choices knowing she's gonna pick up the slack. Like you, you saw that the milk container was almost empty and you just didn't do anything about it. You just left it there. It's like when I was little, if our dog would poop in the house, <laughs> which was rare, but you know, sometimes it would happen. I remember like pretending you didn't see it. No one saw the poop, right? Because if you saw the poop, you're supposed to clean up the poop. We would leave it for my mother. Of course we would. My mother was the one who would see it because my dad, you know, was way more working and uh, more hours working. And my mom as a teacher would be able to come home after work, you know, she'd be there. So if you got home from school first, you could just, you know, pretend you didn't go home, go to a neighbor's, you know, do something else. That's weaponized incompetence. That's a lot of shit, you know, but I was eight. You're a grown ass man. So we don't do this shit. 
And the second reason for, I think that weaponized incompetence shows up so much is that you believe consciously or not that this is women's work. You do, or you believe you've already done everything you're supposed to do. You know, I work 60 hours a week providing for this family. This is her job or something. You've decided this about what's going on and it's really a problem. Okay. It's really a problem. So let me give you some examples of some things you might be saying that fall into this category of weaponized incompetence. Uh, the one I hear, I think the most people complain about is, uh, oh, the kids like it better when you put them to bed, when you dress them, when you bathe them, right? The kids like it better. You know, he won't let me brush his teeth. Only you can do it. That kind of shit. Um, can you make me a list? I always forget. Can you make me a list for the grocery store? I always forget. Oh my gosh, such crap. Um, or not even the groceries, could be something else, whatever it is. You know, can you write down that I have to call the plumber? Could you write down? No, no, you could write it down. You could write it down. You could also learn what we need in the, in the, I know, so it might be someone's job more, although I have some households where men do more of the cooking and more of the shopping, great, you know? So you can try to share it or you can decide that's that, but it can't be for everything that you need a list or to be told. Um, the other one I hear a lot is, oh, I'll try, but don't be mad when I mess it up. <laughs> when I mess it up, foretelling, I'm gonna mess it up, right? Um, or something that seems nice, oh babe, I'm just not good at that. I'm just not good at that, babe. Why not, why not you know, I, I just can't. Uh, or they try and say like, see, I told you I couldn't do it. I mean, yeah. Um, relax, just show me what to do again. You know, you're just too anal about things, that stuff, hate that too. Uh, you're just better at whatever it is than me. You're better at doing the baths. You're better at storytelling. You're just better than I am at it. No, this is like the crap. And if you're blushing right now as a man listening, yeah, that's weaponized incompetence. Okay. And let me, but let me, let me say, you might not do any of this, but let me show you how else it shows up. And this relates to the emotional labor stuff. If you're doing something for us, but it requires me to do more work to make it happen, then you're not actually doing such a special thing for me or your wife or your partner or your girlfriend. If we have to like, like let's say you say, oh, let's have date night on Friday night. You know, I'll take you out wherever you want. Just make a reservation wherever you want. That's not, that's not helpful. That's not helpful, <laughs> okay? That, or, or let's say because then i have to do work right for this thing that you're doing that's oh so special for me i guess which is granting me your time i mean are you kidding me or you you say oh i'll make a uh, dinner reservations i'm gonna surprise you friday night we're going out i'm gonna surprise you and you say great but then we have to do the rest we have to call the babysitter we have to figure out a babysitter we have to figure out what the kids are going to have for dinner and can she make that or do, they, do we have to leave money for that or him it could be a male babysitter uh make sure their homework is done before we leave maybe giving all the instructions to the babysitter pay the sitter drive them home whatever all that is if all you do is make a, a dinner reservation and then drive home the sitter at the end of the night and you don't even know how much the sitter costs that's a problem okay a real date night is when you do all that. That's a real date night for us, when all that gets taken off. I'll tell you what I see a lot. I have a lot of couples who fight about vacations. Um, I have men who uh, I work with, you know, either individually or as a couple who are like, oh yeah, you know, I, 
like I'm so great. I took all this time off. I'm willing to, you know, we're going to pay for anything. We're going to do this whole, you know, Hawaii thing, vacation or, you know, the Caribbean. And that's all great. But when we have kids for us initially, and I remember this when my kids were little, it's a lot of work to think about. And sometimes I didn't even want to go on vacation because it was just too much work. What I would have rathered is that you took the kids on vacation. That's a vacation for me. <laughs> or I come meet you later and I have a few days alone. I don't know, but I used to love their, my kid's dad used to take them to Tahoe without me. Oh, that was the best. He, he would say to me, don't look so happy that we're leaving. <laughs> I'm like, but I am. Um, oh yeah, no dishes. I could even convince him usually take the dog. It was great. I had nothing to take care of for, you know, four or five days. <gasps> dream, dream. I, I would eat cereal standing up at the sink every night. I used to joke that I was cheating on him with Captain Crunch. <laughs> I mean, it was the best. That is really, do, and he knew it. Like, okay, this is something I can do. And their dad was a teacher. So he really had a lot more time off than I did. And he would do these kinds of things. And I was so grateful. So, so grateful. So grateful, in fact, that I'd be like, sure, I'll help set up that trip. <laughs> what do you need packed? Do the kids need snowshoes? Okay, let me order them. I mean, but he actually was really good at all that. He would do all that stuff. He'd like, no, I know what we need. You don't even like the snow. Let me let me order everything. I'm like, God bless you. He was a prince when it came to this stuff. It was great. Great man. My kid's father, great man. Uh, so you know, again, this is all the realizing that you're a fish who doesn't know it's wet and you got to really start paying attention to yourself and your motives and your beliefs, the things that are underneath. Okay. I have two more tips for the men, then I'm going to get to the women. So, and this relates to that. So tip number five is to have some self-awareness, right? You know, learning self-awareness and mindfulness, they are key to making all this work. Okay. But I, I want to get you started right now. So I do... I have lots of stuff on mindfulness, lots of stuff on self-awareness. I'll link to it in the notes, right? I'll link, go to the website, I'll link to it all. But to get you started right now, you can ask yourself some questions on a daily basis, right? One or all of these or two of these or one a day. Uh, are you checking in to see if she's had a rough day? Not how is your day, right? How is your day is a sucky question. You know, what'd you do today? Blech, sucky question. You know, hey, on a scale of one to six, six was it was the best day ever. One was it sucked. How was your day? Um, and she can tell you, oh God, it was a two <laughs> or is six great? Whatever I said, you know, it was a bad day, right? And then you can ask questions. Oh my gosh, what? Tell me more. Tell me more. What made it rough today? You know, is there anything I can do for you, right? Is there anything you need right now? Is there anything I can do to make the rest of the day better? These are wonderful things. Are you actively doing things with the intention of service and a feeling of you know safety for your partner? Ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, do you do nice things without being asked? And when I say nice things, I wanna be mindful here. There's nice things are the things above and beyond the things you just kind of should be doing in the house. I mean like extra nice things. A nice thing isn't putting away the dishes. That like, that's something you should be doing. Like put away the dishes, damn it. There's no, nobody's turn to put away the dishes. If you see the dishes need to be put away, go do it. I'm saying like something else, something else, maybe a foot rub. I love getting my feet rubbed. I love it. Or maybe just asking her like, just talking. <laughs> that's a nice thing. Asking her what she'd like to watch tonight instead of what you'd like to watch, whatever. Uh, Another thing I want you to ask yourself is, do you need reminders to take care of your life? In other words, are you making your own doctor's appointments or is your wife reminding you? Are, you know, if you've, ugh, how many men, 
have something wrong and they're ignoring it. And the wife is like, did you go to the dentist? Did you go to the dentist? Did you go to the dentist? Because you keep complaining about a tooth or something. Or you don't schedule your teeth cleaning regularly. Or you don't, I don't know. Again, this isn't your mother. Take care of your shit. Your health is your responsibility. And it's an important one. If you, Gary and I talk about this, you know, I, him being healthy and me being healthy, these are important things because neither of us wants to push the other one around in a wheelchair later. So saying, oh, I got it, don't worry about me, it's bullshit. You know, I have a, a, a woman I worked with a few years ago and her husband was diabetic and he was getting much older. He was, you know, in his 70s. He was working all the time. He was eating sugar. He was eating like shit. He was drinking all the time. And she kept begging him to please, you know, take care of his health. She kept trying. She only got other stuff at home, but he would bring a, a home sugar. You know, they were, it was a source of contention a lot. He just refused to take care of it. And he ended up with a stroke and she ended up having to take care of his ass. And you know what? That really sucks. That's the so, such a selfish, shitty thing for him to have done. Like, fuck you all. I just want to live my life and you'll just have to take care of me later. It's bullshit. So if you got something going on, diabetes, depression, high blood pressure, anything, freaking hangnail, if you got toe fungus, I don't care what it is, go take care of it. If it's not for your macho ass self, do it for your partner. Think, I want to be healthy for this person. That's an important thing. We want to grow old together. Yeah, it's a nice thing to do. Okay. Another thing to ask yourself, are you telling your partner sincerely and consistently how appreciative and grateful you are? But again, not just like, hey, thanks for dinner. You know, really stop and think about some things besides that that you feel appreciative of or grateful for or whatever it is and try to interject those. Do you validate your partner's emotions? right? Do you validate them? Or is your first response like, you don't feel that way? Or, well, I felt this, or, you know, it's like, what about me? Uh-uh. I, you should listen to my podcast on empathy. If this is hard for you, that should be next on your list of things to do. Just search empathy on my website. Are you answering your partner's bids most of the time, right? I'm going to talk about bids later. Do you contribute in a constructive way to planning, to rides, to meals, to logistics, right? These are all things. Be responsible for the emotional connection between yourself and your partner or yourself and your kids. Like, be responsible. And the last tip I want to give is a quick one, which is to read and study. You know, I, I want you to approach strengthening and improving your relationship like you would anything you need to learn. Do some research, research study and implement. Implement, don't just do the research. And I would say if you're going to start in one place and one place only, other than my fabulous podcast and listening to it every week, you know, uh, uh, The Man's Guide to Women by John and Julie Gottman is excellent. It's very, very good. Those, they're the marriage research gurus. They do tons, tons of research. They're fabulous. Um, the Man's Guide to Women by them. I don't get any money if you get it. It would be a really good idea to start with. And let me just say, your wife seeing you read that would go, that would get you closer to a blowjob than just about anything else. I need to tell you that right now, right? Some women right now, women listening are like, yes. <laughs> if you walked in, you didn't suggest he read it. You didn't put it on his nightstand. You didn't read it first and then give it to him. No, your man was like, hey, I bought this book. I heard about it on Abby's podcast. It's supposed to really help. I'm going to try. And you know, again, like, oh, maybe you could even talk about things you're learning with your partner. <gasps> what a shock. Ask her questions. Okay. So let's get into the tips for women. Men, I know that was a lot of tips, but you don't have to do them all. 
And I was trying to give you a lot of places to start and to understand. Okay. So tips for women. Number one for women is understand preference. And I, this is going to get weird with the weaponized incompetence. So let me, let me explain. Okay. Let me, let me get in there. Don't, don't get defensive. Don't get upset. Okay. If your man cleans up after dinner, but doesn't do it the way you'd like, don't criticize him afterwards. Understand that preferences don't mean that you're right. It's your preference that the dishes be loaded in the dishwasher a certain way. It's your preference that things be cleaned a certain way, but it's not the right way and he's doing it the wrong way. It's your preference that the kids go to bed at a certain time and eat certain foods. It's not right. There's people who let their kids stay up all night. There's kids who let their kids eat gluten. There's parents who let their kids eat gluten. There's all kinds of things. It is your preference. I understand that sometimes little Bobby can't eat gluten because he has an allergy. I get it. But in general, in general, those are special things. You have decided this is what's best for our kids. You Probably you, probably the women. And you then decide that's the right way because I said it because I decided this. Well, and then you're complaining that he's acting like a kid. Well, you didn't decide this together and you're not taking into account any of his opinions on how things could be because a lot of times you're deciding that it's weaponized incompetence, that he just doesn't want to do it, that he just, well, that's not good enough. Our kids deserve better. It is good enough sometimes. There's a difference between weaponized incompetence and someone having a preference that's not yours. Did you hear that? I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. I love you. But you can't keep just putting everything. And that's why I think I've been hesitant to talk about it because when I have found that a lot of my clients put everything in that category because we want to be right. We think ours is the best way. And maybe it is the best way. I don't know, but it's your preference. So if your partner. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Doesn't do things the way you do. You need to have a real open conversation about it, right? What actions constitute your partner being intentionally lazy or passive aggressive? And what is your own need for control and perfectionism, right? I did episodes on control, how to be, what to do when you're controlling. I also have episodes on what to do if your partner's controlling, or episode, um, wh what to do about perfectionism. Do a search on the website, you'll, you'll find them all, okay? You really, you gotta look at that. You have to get real and step back from your rightness. You're so sure you're right and really listen like you're wrong. 
what else is at play here? What could we look at? If you're the one coming up with the list all the time of what needs to get done and setting the bar on how it needs to get done, you're not sharing the emotional labor, you're just hiring your partner as an employee. I said it. Yes, I did. And it doesn't work in the long run. Stop hiring your freaking partner as an employee and then being upset that they're acting like one. Okay. So you have to be part of this too. It can't just be all them. It's you've co-created this relationship. I say that all the time. You've co-created it. You do have to think about the things you're doing that are feeding some of these dynamics. I get it. Things are very, are weighed very heavily against women. End of. I, I hope we can just all agree on that. I hope men, every man listening can too. They just are. If you don't think that, you really are not li living in this world, okay? <laughs> they are. They have been for centuries. It's better now than it used to be, but it's still been centuries old that things have really not leaned towards women, okay, and our rights. So <laughs> right now, I mean, we don't have the right to abortion places, to our own bodies. I, don't get me started, right? Anyway, so do you see... Do you know what I mean? You, you got you to gotta really get that part. I get it. Men understand, but women and women understand. I know you already do. And don't use that as a weapon, as yourself for a weapon for everything. I, I get it. The fork should go in the dishwasher with the tines up so they can be cleaned properly. I get it. I get it. The, the towels need to be folded a certain way or they won't all fit into the closet. You don't want your kid going to school in his pajamas. When you wipe down the kitchen counters, you need to take everything off of them first and then wipe. I get it. I get it. These are all good things. There's a, there, there's not, that's not the only way to do all this. There's a right way to do everything, right? And wrong way to do everything in your eyes. I get it. However, but you can't expect your man to step up to bat if you won't get off home plate. You need to step back and decide together what's important and what's not see that's this is the together part if you can only if you're making all the rules if you just say even now okay i'm gonna let some things go abby i'm not gonna have everything off the counter i'm not gonna have whatever you're still the one hiring your husband as an employee you didn't decide it together what's important you're just deciding and then expecting him to do i get it you see this stuff is so insidious so i need you to have a conversation here are the things i find important what is important to you Let's talk about how we can divide this up. Do we have to hire someone for some of this? Do we have to let this go? Do we have like, let's we, us, team, decide, not me deciding what all, and if your man, again, tries to use some weaponizing confidence, say, I don't care, whatever you think is important is it, call bullshit. Say, no, we're not doing things like that. I'm not your mother. I am, you're not my employee here in this house that is our business. You've got to be a teammate with me. Come on, if it's not now, give me a time when it's good to sit and talk. If you're tired now, fine, but when are we gonna do it? And let's make an appointment. No, right now we're gonna make this appointment <laughs> and we're gonna follow up. You might need to follow up with him to make it happen. Oh, well, but get it to get it going. Once you get something going, it really helps. And if you can only tolerate something being done a certain way, then you need to be the one to do it. But I don't recommend this. I really don't. I mean, I guess, for us, you know, I, I have been very open that I am a control enthusiast. I like things a very particular way all the time. I do. I'm, 
it's not something I'm really proud of myself about. It comes from my own feelings of low self-worth and not feeling worthy of love unless I'm perfect and do things perfectly and all that kind of bullshit. I get it. So I really get it. I get your pain. And when did this stuff get so important? Why are we having huge fights and battles about jelly on the counter? Like, really? Really? Is this, is this the hill you want to die on? So figure it out. And you're deciding in your head, well, that he's just lazy or he doesn't care what's important to me. You know, figure out if this is the most important thing and you shouldn't have a hundred most important things, figure out the top three and then you're the one who does them. Just do those, just take them off because so you don't get so emotionally connected. If your kid eating a certain way is the most important thing to you, then take over the cooking and just decide I'm doing it. And, and I'll, if, if he does it and you know, and if he hasn't showed any interest, sorry, like if he's just been screwed up about it and not helping, then choose that, but give up something else. When your man doesn't do things the way you like, you, you often take that to mean something. You, I say, I've said this a lot of times, you, you define it. You say that means he doesn't love me. He's not supporting me. He doesn't listen to me. The things that he doesn't care about what's important to me, but none of that is actually true. You're making a leap in logic. It's unfair and it's not real. Your partner standards and their wants and needs need to be as valid as your own. They do somewhere in here. They need to be valid too. You've got to accept that he'll do things differently and not always find the same things important or critical. And again, when everything is critical, it's very hard to start separating what's the most critical. And I need there to be some very clear targets for both of you, again, together to approach it as a team, right? And that brings me to tip number two, what can you let go? We know from the research that I mentioned earlier that women forego sleep and leisure time for their families, and that needs to stop. You're playing into the gender norms and stereotypes yourself. You're thinking uh, you're not a good mother if you don't spend every friggin' waking minute with your kids, and I've done this, especially if you work outside the home, right? I did that, I felt so guilty, that's why I was flying breast milk home. I mean, craziness I was doing. I was driving on the highway with my breast pump and pumping milk as I drove. I'm sure truckers were getting quite, it must've looked like bad porn. I don't even know what that looked like, but you know what I'm saying? Who <laughs> looked down, right? I, I was doing crazy shit because I felt guilty. And whenever I could be around the kids, I felt like I had to be. And so, you know, didn't get my nails done, didn't go take care of myself, right? For a long time, I, for a while I did that, not, not the whole time, because I caught on pretty quickly that that an exhausted me was not working. I wasn't patient, I was snapping at their dad, I was snapping at them. Um, an overwhelmed mom who is critical and bitching and nagging or just feels like everything comes out of your mouth is like, do this, do that, you know, I'm unhappy. This isn't good for the family. <laughs> I don't want you here. I love you. It's not good. And this isn't always about him doing stuff. This is about you taking care of yourself. And, you know, you can't fill a glass from an empty pitcher. And please do not give me any victim shit right now. Well, I can't go get a mani-pedi because he won't take care of the kids or something like that. Uh-uh. I'm not taking it. I'm just not. There are millions of ways. 
ask your mother-in-law to come over, uh, ask a friend, say, hey, can you watch my kids on Tuesday from nine to 12 and I'll watch yours next Tuesday from nine to 12 or do that every week. I'll do it on Thursdays, you do it on Tuesdays and both of us can have some hours off. I don't know, think of things, hire someone to come over, a, a babysitter for a few hours so you can go do this stuff, figure it out in your budget. I don't know how you're gonna do it, but to just sit and say, because my partner won't do anything, I can't take care of myself is not okay with me. It's not okay with me. You gotta figure out solutions, re real solutions for things. Uh, maybe the kids eat fast food once a week for dinner so you can go to yoga class, right? Or if you were me, you'd have them eat fast food. Uh, so, and then I'd go sit in my car pretending to go to yoga class, <laughs> just so I could have some privacy, talk to my girlfriends, Eat, eat something bad. I don't know. You know, it's okay. Maybe the kids aren't involved in 20 friggin' activities. You can cut that down so everyone can relax more. You're not doing them any favors having them in 100 activities. It's, it's a lot for kids. They feel overwhelmed too. Even if they say, oh, I love being in dance and I love tennis and I love this and I love that. They, it's a lot for their little brains. They're not supposed to be this busy with 50 different things. Just calm it down, take a few off the plate. I also wanna say that depression, anxiety, and stress are all linked to lower libido, to being exhausted all the time, and to being irritable. So again, what are you doing for your mental health? Is it time to get the support of a therapist? This is a really good time to get a therapist. Not, and what happens that I find is that women in this situation, they immediately go to couples therapy. Like we need couples therapy. Just get yourself to therapy. You don't need couples right now. You don't need to drag your partner and complain about one more thing with him right now. Just go yourself. Get some help for you. Get some love, get some attention, get some time that's just your own. It's so good for you. I'm not saying couples isn't a good idea maybe later, but Right now you need to, again, fill the glass. You need to fill the glass and you don't do that with couples. You, I know it seems that way, but it's because we're putting so much emphasis on our partners. Put the emphasis on you. This doesn't mean you're at fault or you're, something's wrong with you. I mean this is in a love way. I'm talking love. I'm talking you deserve to go to therapy. You deserve it. You are worthy of having an hour that's just for you, or 50 minutes, whatever, that's just for you and what you need and what you want and to talk about what you want to talk about. That's it. I know. And if you're feeling at all like any of your partner's requests for more intimacy or for sex are some kind of intrusion, if you're feeling angry and defensive about it, it is really time to stop and ask yourself how you're really doing. Again, where's your where are you? Where, where's your care for yourself? Where's your holding boundaries for yourself? Where is that? And I love you. I want you to have time for you. Really important. Tip number three is be curious and share true feelings. So if you've been with me a while, you know, I often say not to sack your relationship, right? Don't offer suggestions, SAC. Don't offer suggestions, give advice or criticize. So when you want something changed with your partner or at home, don't sack. Instead, I want you to ask collaborative questions because you want to truly try to understand where your partner's at and why they're doing what they're doing, okay? Um, I'll give you an example in a minute. Tied to this is to remember that we connect with feelings, not thoughts. 
that means you want to get to what your partner is feeling and share what you're feeling share your feelings and remember again it's your true feelings so it's not your reactions if your reaction is that you're really angry that your partner didn't put away the dishes last night when he's when he promised he would that's a reaction i need you to think for a moment about what you're really feeling below that we you know celeste dang said anger is the bodyguard of fear what are you really afraid of what's really going on i'll tell you it's usually just that you're overwhelmed you feel like nothing's ever going to change you don't want to divorce the man you feel just hopeless that's what's really going on you're feeling absolutely hopeless that because you've asked for this 50 times and it's never consistent and you always have to ask again that means he doesn't really care about you why did i get married in the first place yeah i know i know no i'm not in your house i'm not inside your head but i know what goes on i i got a lot of clients and i have for years i hear it so and you know what let's use that one let's use that one so you come down in the morning last night so your partner promised he'd put away the dishes before right he went to bed you walked into the kitchen this morning you're already you got kids wanting breakfast the kids are already making demands you're trying to get out the door to go to work and the dirty dishes are still on the counter because the dishwasher was never emptied last night <gasps> you're furious you're resentful you are fed up you march upstairs, right? And say, you didn't put away the dishes again last night. I'm so sick of this. You promised, you go on and on telling him how angry you are. And when he offers to put them away now, you tell him it's too late. You'll just do it yourself. You're then angry and upset for hours and contemplating divorce or, or murder, since that might, seem might seem cheaper, uh, right? Do you see the problem here? Has the, If this has helped, I would say to keep doing it. If it is, but it hasn't because the reason you're so mad is because it keeps happening. So do you wanna be correct or effective? It's not effective, I'll tell you that. It is not effective. Now, I'm not saying you need to tiptoe around your husband or your partner. I'm not saying, oh, oh sweetie, I'm so sorry. Uh, it seems like you left the dishes. That's bullshit. You know I don't mean that, by the way. You fucking know I don't mean that. You know that would never come out of my mouth. So if you're doing that defensive shit right now, you can stop. I love you, I'm not talking to you that way, and you know I'm not. What I'm saying is that it ain't working what you've been doing or it wouldn't keep happening because you keep trying to solve the problem in the same way. You keep treating him as your employee. We, we haven't gotten him on board. We haven't figured out what the problem is. We've just been talking to him, suggestions, advice, or criticizing, right? And nothing has changed. So I would say I'd rather be effective than correct. Personally, personally, that's how I live. So instead, when that happens next time, because you have been meditating every day, because you are more mindful, I want you to gather yourself as best you can before you go up the damn stairs, okay? And maybe you even have to um, talk to him later. Put away the dishes now and talk to him later. I don't know. But when you do talk to him, I would love for you to start from the calm place, not attacking, not blaming, but truly with curiosity. It's like, oh my gosh, I really want to figure this out. I don't wanna have this conversation anymore. I don't wanna feel this way anymore. I don't want you to feel this way anymore. I wanna give you a hug right now, this sucks. Nothing's worse than feeling hopeless, nothing. Oh, it's so bad. So you can go up the stairs maybe he's shaving or something and you can say can can you just stop for one minute and he does hopefully and just say i'm feeling really sad right now you know you 
you didn't put away the dishes like you promised. And he'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. <laughs> I, I get that you don't, you don't do this stuff on purpose. I get that you didn't forget to do it on purpose. I really do. I'm here, I, but I need us to find a solution because this does happen from time to time. You know, I feel like if I don't remind you, it, I just feel like this this happens, you know, with some kind of cycle. Maybe, and don't say all the time because then he'll think, no, it doesn't because yesterday I put them away and last week I put them away. You know, you don't want to do that. Just, I just need a, us, look at us, us to find a solution. Can you, can you talk now about this? Should we talk later? I don't want to be mad at you and I don't want to feel like a nag, but the dishes, you know, they need to be put away, <laughs> especially when you committed something to me. So I just want us to figure this out together. Can you, and if he has time right then, you could say, what, so what are you thinking about it? And what usually happens first is that he'll give some excuse. Oh, you know, I just got so caught up last night. I really meant to. And then I went, you know, and it's like, that's not a solution. Just say it to him. I, I, I'm sure there's a reasonable excuse. I have no doubt. I don't think you sat there and went, fuck her. I'm not putting away the dishes. How dare she ask? I'm going to piss her off so we can be miserable. I don't think you thought that. No part of me really believes you thought that. And this happens with, you know, some regularity. And so how do we fix it? I understand whatever happened last night. I get it. But how do we fix it? How, what do we put in place so that this never is a problem again. I want it to never be a problem again. How do we do it? That's it. And then you continue to ask questions about, you know, maybe what happened that he forgot, you know, what other solutions, but you don't want to give him, remember, don't give suggestions, offer advice or criticize. So you also don't want to say, well, you could try to do this. What if you set an alarm on your phone? What if you did this? What if you did that? Don't do it. Don't get pulled into the sack. Let him come up with the solution and you be supportive by asking questions. Or maybe there's a solution that's different than him putting away the dishes at night. Maybe it's one of your kids now. They're old enough. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe to hire someone who comes in. I have a couple. They're brilliant. They have somebody who comes in every evening. I know. After dinner. And they help put the kids to bed. They help with homework. They help with, and they put away all the dishes later and all that. They help clean the kitchen. They work, I think, for three hours a day from like 5 to 8.30 or something, or 6 to eight nine, something like that. I thought it was brilliant. I really did. So that the two of them can just like kind of be more with the kids. They can just sort of hang out more. Now, you might not have the resources for that or be able to find someone like that. I don't know. But there's a million options, I think, is what I'm getting to. There's a million options besides this sort of black and whiteness about it. And I need you to start getting um, creative, problem solve. You love each other. You want to figure this out. And you can. You're two very smart people. <laughs> you can certainly figure out the dishes in the dishwasher. But to keep doing what you've always done and expect different results is craziness. So let's try something else. All right. Now I want to talk about some tips for both of you, for both of you beauties. So tip number one, I want to talk about sex first. And this is maybe mostly to the women, but also for men. Here's what I've noticed. So you might be thinking about sexual desire all wrong, okay? So some people feel arousal and want to have sex. So they're just, you know, walking through the house, you know, your husband sees you and he's turned on, he wants to have sex with you. But, and I'm, I'm going to do it this way because often it's women who don't want to have sex and men who do often in this after kids thing. Okay. 
And it's not always though. I got lots of men in my practice who have had, you know, wanted sex less than their partners. And that has been an issue. So I just want to be clear about that. So, but so if it's them, not you, you know, just substitute in whoever it is for ease of the conversation. I'm just going to say women and men wanting more. Okay. So let's say you're a woman and you, you know, you don't feel arousal during that. You just don't, it's just not there. Like nothing is going off. So because other people, so not everybody has feels arousal and wants sex. Other people find that they only, it's only when they start having foreplay do they experience desires, okay? We call this being res, uh, responsive. So in other words, sometimes desire is responsive. So it's a response to, not an anticipation of, right? Being erotically stimulated in some way. And this becomes a problem, right? I, I found this true for so many women I work with. They're, they're waiting to feel desire to want to go have sex with their partners, but that might never happen. And it might've happened pre-children and now it's not. It might've happened pre-menopause and now it's not. You know, there's lots of things that go on. So don't judge it. It's nothing wrong with you. There's not a right way to want to have sex, right? That's not how it works. And this is, it becomes part of the problem when men are watching porn nonstop because these women are just like wet and ready all the friggin' time. And that, and there's like no foreplay, right? The foreplay is long sex. And I can tell you most women I know, we don't want to have sex itself for a super long time. We just don't. Uh, we, unless we're trying to have a vaginal orgasm, right? Only, and it takes a while. So that, that's true sometimes, but we don't need to have hours of sex, like not like that anyway. We don't, right? We would like to have hours of foreplay. That sounds fun. We like that. That's a good time. Uh, but do you know what I'm saying? But men, I think, often confuse the sex act itself with foreplay and it's not. So, and women too then think, oh, because all these women, these words get used for women, especially we're frigid. Um, we just, you know, lost our sex drive or something. And again, it just means something shifted, not that it's wrong or bad now, or we've lost something, we didn't lose anything. So instead, I want you to try to think about all the ways you'd like to experience foreplay. And that means you really have to speak to your partner about setting sex up with more time. So for sure, you know, the end of the day sex, I don't even like end of the day sex. I think Gary and I almost always have sex in the morning or the afternoon. It's, I'm not even kidding. I'm trying to think the last time we had sex at night. <laughs> um, when we're on vacation, we do, you know, hotel sex. Who doesn't love hotel sex? Hotel sex is best. Oh, you can just yell loudly. It doesn't matter. Um, but I, I'm trying to, th like this last weekend, I'm recording this on a Monday, you know, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, like it was more in the mornings, Saturday afternoon, we had sex, you know, like it, there's just more, um, oh yeah, I was getting some this weekend, huh? But anyway, um, it's just about time of day. That is when, cause we have older kids. So that is, you know, they're not trying to be up at 4am to, you know, get us up. Um, and that is when people are asleep. It's, it's, you know, it just feels more private, more, you know, I don't know. We just wake up, we're, we have more energy. It's just where my, my circadian rhythms are now. It just makes more sense. Although afternoon sex is the best. That's my favorite. But anyway, um, so really speak to your partner about setting sex up with more time and even again, scheduling it. So if you know that on Mondays, the kids all have practice, 
um, at the same time for hours and you have other, you know, get other parents to carpool your kids though that day. And then you make sure you're home, you know, just make Monday a sacred time when you maybe even come home a little earlier from work. You always leave work at four or five or whatever. Um, or if you're working from home that you always end at a certain time, you know, and then have this time together and just have some fun, just experiment. Don't, maybe you don't even think that you're going to have sex. That's sometimes really fun just that we're not gonna have sex. We're just gonna do everything but, and see what happens. But, so don't do the end of the day thing. You wanna have a time when you have more energy. And then, but again, discuss what you'd like or need to feel more stimulated. You, again, can't feel rushed. So men, you really, if, if, if it's the woman, you know, who's not wanting sex as much, you really need to be on board for the ride, not the destination. I'll tell you that right now. It, you need to get rid of anything you have about this and just put in the time, just put in the time. It's kind of fun. I, it is, it's sort of fun to figure out different things, right? But I've talked with so many women who have, who assume they have a low sex drive because their desire is responsive, not spontaneous. So they assume that sex will then like, oh, I have to force it. I'm going to have to force it. And I, you know, cause they're not in the mood. And that means they don't have it at all because they don't want to force it. They want to wait till they're in the mood and you don't have to have a persistent urge for sex. <laughs> Lots of people don't. And there are no shoulds when it comes to your desire, women and men, right? It, it's, it's something to really, when you get rid of the stigma attached and the the blaming and the negativity and just see it as this sort of opening for the two of you to discuss because i will say i do think sex is important i it is a way it's the one thing generally that we share with each other that we don't share with anyone else so uh, the physical intimacy the sex and other physical intimacy how we look at our partners how we touch them but you need to ask. So, you know, you might men, you might be a man who decides, oh, I walk by my partner and I, I hit her in the butt a little or I whatever. Does she like that? Does she enjoy that? If, you know, don't just assume, right, that, oh, I'm making her feel sexy. Probably not. You know, maybe. I, I actually like when Gary smacks my ass. Don't tell Gary I've had this conversation. He is so shy, he would die if he knew I was talking about our sex life. So don't tell Gary. Everybody, shh, don't tell Gary. Um, by the way, um, but you know what I mean? I like it when he smacks my ass. I like, I like it when he comes up behind me and grinds on me a little in the kitchen or something when I'm cooking. I sort of enjoy it, you know? But lots of people don't. And if I had just had babies, I don't think I would enjoy that. I'd be like, get off my, get off of me. <laughs> Stop touching me like this. You know, because again, my mind is more compartmentalized, but my kids are older. You know, it's just easier now. Things are easier, which is the other thing to remember. Things, your sex life, just like the rest of your relationship grows and changes over time. So don't get too locked into, oh, this is it forever. Cause it's not. So, and again, this can happen for men. So everything can be shifted. And I just, I guess I just want you to take away that it's time for a chat about what constitutes desire for both of you and really be curious and explore. There are no wrong answers. There are no wrong answers. And I will tell you that, you know, learning to communicate your wants and needs is key. I did a whole, uh, I'll link to it, you know, on the blog and in the show notes. I did a whole, uh, uh, 
uh, effective communication 101. If you put communication in my website, boy, will you get a lot. There's lots of ways to communicate and to look, and I'm not going to go into all that right now and the nitty gritty of that, but really look to talk and communicate and not go in defensively, not go in thinking you're right or that you're wrong. Just going in, being open and curious. Okay. Tip number two for couples is to make a list. It's a, it's a really good tool I've had couples do when I've worked with them or even individuals, is to make a list of the ways that you used to bond and feel close as a couple that have changed since you had kids. So, you know, maybe you used to spend Sunday in bed reading the New York Times together and having sex and eating bagels and now, you know, uh, that ain't happening if you got little kids, right? Now you have to get up for kids or you can't get up with your partner because you were up all night with your newborn, right? So you don't want to be up on Sunday morning having sex. So maybe you used to hang out after dinner and talk about your day, but now that time is taken up, you know, with bath time and sports or other kid things. What a, You need to think about what adjustments do you need to make to create that emotional bonding and intimacy in new ways. You can't just you can't just lose all the things that helped you feel close and expect to feel that same bond when they're gone. So it's really important to identify them first. Like, oh yeah, we used to do that. Oh, that's why. Because then you can really identify, oh, here's the things that make me feel close to you when you identify what the things were. And they're probably different for both of you, by the way. Some might be the same, but some might be different. And then you can problem solve, well, what can we do now? What else could we do that could get those same feelings? Because, you know, that's pretty great. And, and I want to make another point about this. I want you to stop being nostalgic for the way your relationship used to be. It's never going to be that way again. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Sure, your man used to spend time planning dates, and but and now he doesn't anymore. Well, he's spending that bandwidth doing other things. Something has to go. You know, what is he doing? Is he doing other things for you, but not that? And you're just focused on what he's not doing? And no, your wife isn't wearing sexy lingerie right now, but again, her bandwidth is elsewhere. What is she doing? Spending time taking care of your kids. She's spending a lot of time or making sure that you have uh, the that special oat milk you like in your coffee in the fridge, right? She's spending time when you were first dating. She didn't have to worry about any of that crap. The bandwidth got taken up now with other things. Your relationship grows and changes. There's no way to have all the same things as important that were in the beginning because your relationship has changed. So new things are important. Taking care of a house, uh, taking care of kids, taking care of maybe you got a dog together now. I don't know. Maybe just older, your work is demanding more or less, or you've changed jobs. There's so many things, but everyone's like, oh, he used to do that. She used to do this. It's like, fuck that. Like, stop with that. Stop with that. Where is the focus now? that's different from how it was when you were first dating. Like, you know, you're always growing again as a couple. So what you paid attention to before isn't really what you can pay attention to now and that's okay. Really think about where your intention and attention are on a daily basis. Like, what is that? What am I trying to do? And if there are some things that are super important to you to have, then talk about that. And again, what can get taken off the plate to add that? You can't just keep adding things to the plate. I talk about this ad nauseum all the time. You can't just keep adding to the plate and the plate is full. It's falling off the edges. So when you add one more thing, something else falls off and then you're complaining about the thing that fell off. You have to figure out how to take things off the plate if there's something else you want to add that's so new and important, right? You know, get to know each other in a new way now. Ask each other, you know, those big open-ended questions. 
you remember when you were first dating, you would chat all night? It's because you didn't know anything. So if you could be any animal, what would it be? If, if money were no object, what would your dream vacation be? Get granular too, get really specific. If, if you would have a perfect day, what do you what are you doing what's going on who's talking to you where are you i don't know there's lots of things we can find out about our partner now that are different than you know where'd you go to school and what are your parents like and whatever else right find out how they're feeling about things now tip number three is to turn toward bids i talk about the awesome work of marriage researchers right john and julie gottman all the time I, cause I love myself some research and Gottman, you know, does always deliver and relationship bids is a term he coined. And I have found in my own work and personal life that not only does it improve your relationship with your partner, but it works as an, an effective tool for all your relationships. So I just want to say that, um, answering bids is a whole chapter in my book be happily married even if your partner won't do a thing if you haven't gotten the book yet you can you can get it for free on audible i know you can get it for free on audible if you have you know right even if you don't have a subscription to audible you can get a free three months and then stop it after three months if you want to do that and just get my book so um read it get it i do i do lots of these tips in there in different ways and sometimes nice to have it all in one place but i also did an entire episode on bids recently i've done two episodes on bids but i did one a really long time ago and i did one more recently that you really want to listen to and that would be a great one to listen to with your together and because bids are basically an effort to connect um uh, gottman calls them a, a fundamental fundamental unit of emotional communication and once you understand what bids are, you'll realize that they're happening around you all the time, but you just haven't understood their significance or, you know, that they were even happening, right? That's the big issue with bids. We don't usually understand <laughs> that either we're making them or that we're receiving one. We, and they are super closely linked to feeling trust and safety with our partners. And therefore, and, and of course, sex and intimacy are linked to that. So, uh, and there's, I'm not going to get all into it here because I did a whole thing on it, but basically bids are anytime your partner asks for your attention. If they're, you know, look at the bird out the window is the famous one I think Julie always says. And you can either stop and say, uh, you can turn toward the bid and you can say, oh yeah, what is that? What kind of bird is that? Or you can ignore the bid, you know, or even get hostile with the bid, right? Like, why are you bugging me? I'm in the middle of an email. Why are you talking about birds? You know, that's not the way to go. We, anytime you're, you know, taste the sauce I'm cooking. I always do with Gary. And uh, that's a bid. I want you, I cook, I'm doing all this stuff. I want you to find it as important as I do. I want you, I want your input in what I'm doing here in the kitchen. And so he knows now it comes in, tastes the sauce. Mm, you know, I think it tastes good. Usually it's his only answer, but I don't care. Uh, and you know, we might, Hey, and then, then if he's in the kitchen, we can make out. Uh, but you know what I mean? You just, kids do it all the time mommy look that's a bid you know and it doesn't mean that you can always say yes to a bid because you're doing something if you're busy just let your partner know but giving your full attention is really important and if you are busy it only takes seconds by the way to stop and say yeah the bird um but if, if it's that big a deal you can just say um oh my gosh i really want to look at the bird wait let me finish this and then say that again <laughs> let me, i'm in the middle of something let me just finish but then i want to hear and that's a way to do it and then i'm going to end with a couple's exercise and this is going to be a free 
download that you can get. Okay. Um, it's, it's the couples check-in exercise and, uh, it's one of my favorites. It's been around forever. And basically it's a way to check in. That's very special where you ask your partner, um, uh, you know, Hey, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being I'm the best part, I'm the best husband ever. And one being I suck. What, what number would you give me? I know. Don't get afraid. Cause here's how it goes. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, so maybe your wife says four <laughs> and your response isn't screw you. What are you talking about? Or to list all the things you've been doing, but to instead say, what would it take to make it a 10? And then you, the wife, if you're the one who just got this question, need to answer it in the positive, okay? And you need to say, don't give any more than three things. One thing is fine, two things is okay, but no more than three. Uh, and you wanna tell them how to get to a 10 in, in the positive. So not what they shouldn't do. Well, stop asking for sex or don't do this or don't do that. No, 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 no. People can't, there's no goal to reach there. Uh, nag me less, what does that mean? I can still nag you like, uh, uh, you can say, um, I'd love for, you know, one thing you can do is rub my feet tonight. <laughs> Another thing is to make sure when you come home from work that you come and find me wherever I am. And, uh, we have a little, just a minute to connect. Those are two great things that will help you feel respected and connected or loved or whatever it is that you're looking for with your partner. But I have this all written out in like, it's really easy to do. I have it written at all written out for you. So come over to abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast, and you can find it there under this um, one, or you can go to the relationship tips and tools page. Also find it under this. We're in episode 224. I do believe who would have thought, uh, and you can have that exercise for free because I love you and it's very helpful. And I've been using it for years. I absolutely love it. Wow. Did I tell you you're getting a masterclass? Did I lie? No, I tell the truth that I know is a lot. There's a lot going on there. You might've had to listen to this in more than one, more than one go. I don't know. Always a reminder that you can listen to me at 1.5 speed if you want to get through things quicker, but I'm just never going to be chintzy with what I teach. I'm not going to give you some bullshit half-ass stuff. I'm going to give you the real thing. And yes, I've been swearing quite a bit today. I don't usually swear this much, but I'm feeling myself, I guess. I don't know. So that is it for today. I'm very happy if you stayed with me this long. Hello. Hi. Welcome. How are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? Right now, just check in with yourself. Take a breath. Feel our connection. I'm here. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. I love these times that we have together. I hope you got a lot out of today's uh, broadcast. Listen to it maybe more than once if you need to. And uh, know that I love you. I'm sending such, oh, such a big hug right now. So, so much love right now. I feel it. I know you can do this. I have absolute faith in you shifting and changing your relationship or I would not be wasting my time doing this because I would feel like it was a waste and it is absolutely not. This is time so well spent that I spent with you. You can do this. I am telling you can. I'm positive. So just start, start where you can start. All right. Have an amazing week and I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, 
let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymedcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.